means, ladies and gentlemen, would you please check your ideas and opinions at the door? How would you describe <laughs> it? What is consciousness? So, ripples in the structure of the universe. Is consciousness out there or is consciousness in here? I think consciousness is more like music than computation. When we make music, we don't do it in order to reach a certain point, such as the end of the composition. The band begins to play, the symphony begins, and you hear music, whether it's Beethoven or the Beatles, or probably a better analogy would be like a jam session, improv, that sort of thing, jazz or just jamming. Space, which nobody can define, nobody can imagine, appears to be nothing. Foundation of the universe. Hey everybody, how you doing? Hey, what's up there? I love this song. Hey, love, shut up, I love this song. Just jamming. Oh yeah. Shut up, Lou. I wanna jam it with you. What am I? Yeah. I'm jamming. 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 And I hope you like jamming too. <laughs> is our consciousness part of this electron field, or is it something else? then reality would seem to be made up of the incredibly complex overlapping interactions between quantumized bundles of these different fields. And that's all that anything is. Just jamming. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. Part five. Part five fifth part it's the fifth one look for the good in everything and how i feel about it doesn't impact it really one way or another it it's there like the the processes and the forces of life i can trust in and then it's just a question of how am i gonna be yeah yeah i that question i think is uh I, I like that question a lot. How am I going to be, mm. you know? Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. That was fun. So I was surprised you didn't have me channel. Oh yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I was thinking, I don't know. So there wasn't really anything in that content, the Mormon stuff that you like found interesting enough to talk about. Uh, well, yeah, there was. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it or not. Because oh, I did, but I wanted to talk was, about what you want to talk about. I, I enjoyed I what we ended up talking about. Argue about it. I didn't want to. Oh, wanna... so I said the thing at the beginning about arguing, and that yeah. kind of made you. Sh- oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I like the back and forth. I, I like mm. the sharing of perspectives. I don't like the kind of argument that's like, "You're stupid. You're dumb. Like, what? Why can't you see it my way? Then you're an idiot. Like that. That. That's." But if it's just like, well, I see it this way. Okay. I see it this way. 
we're not seeing it in the same way. Okay. So help me understand what you're seeing. And like for you having a PhD in physics, like I definitely want to know. I've always wanted to know, like, I've loved that about you, that you understand this. <laughs> no. but, but when you start telling me, when you start calling things heresies, <laughs> like, what? it's a heresy. I still don't think it's a heresy what I said. Oh, sure. I mean, there's no such thing as heresies, but yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wanted, I want what, so yeah, the Arcturians definitely had like a central like thesis about Mormon origins, you know, involving like the childhood trauma of each of these like main characters. And um, like, that's something I, I wanted to talk a lot about is like, you know, this, this kind of sympathetic eye towards Joseph Smith because of like whatever past trauma he might've had. And that the trauma itself, like unlocked the creativity in his mind or whatever, all of that I, was, was, I want, I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> there, there, there's a book called the sword of Laban uh-huh. um, that I read years ago and I don't remember who wrote it, but that's where I first got that idea mm -hmm. about Joseph Smith going into a disassociative state as a result of that surgery yeah. that he was in. And, but I, but I had never really thought about it or followed it to the conclusion that I did when I was recording that thing. And, and the biggest aha for me in that was Zion. Like I, I had never put together, I'd, I'd never stopped to think about the, the way that Joseph's family was um, outcast and, and even kind of divided within their family because of the way that his parents were and, and the mom not really respecting Joseph senior and, you know, how, how Joseph junior kind of got in the middle of that, that, that a concept like Zion being of one heart and one mind would really have an appeal to somebody that's kind of in a fractured family, but fractured by death and not accepted by the people around them. And they've, they've moved around a couple of times. So they really don't have uh, a strong social group in the town that they're in. And so feeling like an ostracized outsider, he'd really want to create sign. I'd never thought about that and put that together before. And so that, I thought that was a really cool idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that idea. And then, uh, especially from the Ar Arcturian perspective where they're like, yeah, this is what we did. We, we all came together of one heart and one mind. I kind of went, Oh, I do. I like that. That's interesting. I hadn't considered that from that perspective before. So I liked that, but anyway. Hmm. Yeah. But right. when, when, when you're arguing about things, what is it that you're, that you just don't like the ideas or you don't think that's how it really was or like, what's the. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think that like, uh, I, I, I think a question that I wanted to kind of bring up was the, the, the this explanation that there was a lot of like praise to the man in those <laughs> in those channelings, right? I'm really? like, oh, Joseph Smith, he was so creative. He created mm. he created this stuff that nobody at the time was able to create, which is just 
okay, come on. There was like a lot of really great stuff being created at the time of Joseph Smith. And like the Book of Mormon isn't really that all creative, uh, you know, especially when you think about, you know, early 19th century literature. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like when you're, (laughs) when you're comparing Joseph Smith to Mark Twain, Mark Twain wins, you know, it's a subjective comparison, but um, yeah. Okay. So so you, you felt, you, you, you feel like my view of Joseph Smith is too laudatory using the story of joseph smith and the teachings of joseph smith to teach about um as if he was bringing to the world some sort of new revelation about compassion and about zion and about being of unheart and one mind um as if like he was just you know that to me, um, uh, it, it feels like I'm just falling back, you know, into Mormonism. That's like, it's like the, 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 the putting Joseph Smith into this position of like, oh, totally unique because of this trauma he had as a child, unlocked his creativity, unlocked his ability to channel and, and made what he had um, truly something special uh it is it uh, it upsets me because uh you know i don't i don't think what he had was was special and and i think it in fact was like if joseph if it hadn't have been joseph smith it would have been somebody else uh the the like macroeconomic like situation of the Northeast or Northwest United, yeah, Northeast United States uh, was such that it was going to happen. Somebody was going to do something like Joseph Smith did and Mormonism was going to come out of it, uh, whether it was Joseph Smith or, or, or somebody else. And, and it's, it's uh, so like trying to ascribe like a a divine like manifestation to what he did um just like bums me out i guess yeah well i'll we 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 can we can end on this because i know we've been doing this for a long time but i i I think one of the big differences that I'm observing in the way that you're approaching it and the way that I'm approaching it, like when you say something like it could have been somebody else besides Joseph Smith, it didn't have to be Joseph Smith. We're, we're in very different places because again, I'm, I'm exploring my own feelings about Joseph Smith and I'm, and that's it. Not like what is historically accurate (laughs) what could have been other than what was what I'm looking at is, is my mind is the product of being raised as a Mormon and being fed all these stories about Joseph Smith, um, Truman Madsen tapes on my mission, all that stuff and how I feel about him. And, and it's kind of like that blind man and the elephant metaphor again, that, if I'm only focusing on those parts of him that make me feel 
like shit because they should, because there are shitty things about him. And I'm not giving credit for, well, actually, you're right. The, the Book of Mormon is not a great piece of literature, but the impact that it's had in the lives of people is statistically significant when you're looking at the world. And it's not only st statistically significant in the number of people that it's impacted, but the way that it has inspired people, like, I don't want that to be overlooked. It's, it's true. It's real. Like there are, there really are people who are better, <laughs> who are good people because of their belief and their devotion to Mormonism and, and the book of Mormon. And Joseph Smith does get some credit for that because he set the ball into motion in my mind. Mm -hmm. If, if it like, because I want to create a mind that holistically like looks at looks at things from all angles, looks at the elephant from all angles that I possibly can and doesn't intentionally ignore things that I'm aware of. And when I'm aware of these things, but I just don't like them, I, I got to be honest and go, okay, I don't like Joseph Smith. I don't like what happened. I don't, I really don't like the Mormon church today. There's a lot of things that I don't like about it. Um, but so am I, am I just going to go through my life um, hating or am I going to let it go and go, okay, there was good. There was bad. Um, what do we do with it now? Who do I want to be? You know, cause, cause this stuff influenced me and it's still influencing me. And if, and if I keep telling myself the stories that it's just shit, 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 shit. And I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. What I'm really doing is creating more hatred inside of myself. That's based on only part of the story. And that doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. But you also don't have to like, I don't know. It, it's not like an either or, you know, it's not like either uh, you hate, 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 or you like find acceptance. Like you just kind of hate them. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a balance really. And, and, um, and actually, you know, the, the things that I hate mm -hmm. about the Mormon church I don't know that I can really ascribe very much of it to Joseph Smith. I, I don't, I, I don't honestly know that much about Joseph Smith and I don't really mm -hmm. know what to make about all of the stories that I've heard about Joseph Smith. Right. Um, and, and it's, it's complicated, but I do know that I have, I, I have inherited DNA from ancestors that shook hands with Joseph Smith and talked with him. You know, mm -hmm. and, and like they were around him, they, they worshiped this guy. They, they really loved, you know, <laughs> they helped yeah. build the Kirtland temple. They went across the plains. Like it's a big part of my own heritage. And so just in kind of making peace with that, instead of having it be uh, something that comes, you know, and, and it's not like I really have a, a great relationship with a lot of my Mormon family members. I, you know, like I talk with my dad every once in a while, and then my cousins, I hardly ever see or interact with. And that's where all the, so I, I, I'm not in a situation where I have to get along with Mormons very often, but if I was, I could. And I, mm -hmm. and in times where I have been put in that situation, like where I've gone back to a Mormon chapel, instead of feeling, oh my gosh, I got this pit in my stomach. I got to get out of here which I have felt at times, I just feel much more peaceful about it now. And um, so it, it's, 
<laughs> it's me cleaning up my shit. You know, it's, <laughs> this is what I'm trying to do. Cool. Cool, cool. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, and this concludes my conversation with Ren, at least this conversation with Ren, about the Arcturian Playground thingy that I created as a tool for my own introspective exploration and as a way to, to rewire my brain, to practice looking at things with more compassion. And to wrap up the series, I'm going to leave you with this very extended Easter egg, which talks about the similarities between black holes and Oliver Cowdery. Yeah, that surprised me too as I was talking about it. And it also talks about Emma Smith and the idea of the millennium. And that part I recorded back in May during an eclipse, which was kind of fun. So if any of you here find this interesting in any way, and you're also interested in rewiring your own brains <laughs> to become more compassionate or whatever, and you'd like to join a free group that's committed to creating more compassion in this world, starting with ourselves, whether you believe in Arcturians or channeling or not, please come and join me at the Tao of Healing Mighty Networks group. And that's D-O-W. That's my name. My name is Dow. Dow Glenn Austin. So the Tao of Healing group, uh, you can find details on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And now, what do black holes have in common with Oliver Cowdery? Anything? Maybe? Maybe not? Possibly? Possibly not? You can check it out here. Arcturian Playground. We wouldn't have it any other way, or I wouldn't. Welcome to the Arcturian Playground, a place to play in the realm of imagination. All done in the service of compassionate expansion of consciousness. Yes, it sounds weird, we know. We would not have it any other way. Yes, we are here. Yes, we are here. We are here. We always are here. We are here. Hooray, sing the song. We are here. And today we have quite the treat for you. For uh, initially, to the man in the chair, you have been thinking, uh, thinking we love to uh, talk about the thoughts that you think uh, which appear to us as uh, squiggly lines, if it were. Uh, the, you might think of uh, a, a toy that you can recall from your youth, uh, an etch-a-sketch, uh, where you would uh, move an x-axis and a y-axis to uh, draw, as it were, in magnetic sand and to create little squiggly lines uh, each time you have a, a neural pathway which fires we see this as a squiggly line that lights up and uh, there are flashes uh, which appear before us uh, we do not have eyes as you have eyes uh, we have different means of perception and uh, many different ways to render the image within our own shared mind. We, as a collective, have um, the perceptive capabilities that arose for each of the species 
which are a part of our collective. Therefore, we are, if you could imagine, we have used the example previously of a snake uh, rendering an image of a tree in its mind that it is able to perceive through thermal sensing. Uh, there will come a time when you, as a human uh, collective, uh, there, there will come a time when, uh, as a human collective, uh, you will combine your intelligence and experience with the uh, snake collective, as it were, and you will be able to, in that time, experience things as they experience. Uh, they will be able to experience as you experience. This is part of being a collective, sharing the gathered intelligence uh, in such visceral ways. Uh, we we absolutely love our experience of existence and we are excited for you to uh, become more aware of what you already are and how you already experience so many things. Uh, again, this is outside of the range. This is behind the curtain, as it were, the outside of the range of your conscious perception, which is limited to the five uh, primary human senses which you are to believe is all that there is. So today is quite the, the treat for the man in the chair has been thinking of the nature of black holes. Uh, he also has been thinking of the role which uh, Oliver Cowdery played in the early Mormon church. Uh, he, as of yet, does not understand why he has been thinking of Oliver Cowdery and black holes at the same time uh, and he is very excited to see where this will go and how these two concepts will come together to create a greater understanding uh, at least within his own mind. Uh, first uh, a word on uh, black holes. Uh, if you could imagine yourself uh, flying through space the man in the chair, when he was a young boy laying upon his bed, would often imagine, uh, what if my bed disappeared? Would I stay uh, hovering in midair, or would I fall towards uh, my floor? And of course, he recognized from many times jumping on his bed, although his mother said not to, he still did. He recognized uh, that gravity would pull him down and if uh, his bed were to disappear, he would fall and hit the ground. His bedroom was on the second level of their home and he then would ask the question, what if my home were not here, would I also fall? And he imagined that then he would fall to the earth and then he would ask the question, what if the earth were not here, uh, then would I fall? And this perplexed him, for he knew that in the case of the uh, bed and the home, that he would be falling towards the earth itself, for the gravity would pull him towards the center of the earth. But if the earth itself were to disappear, uh, where, where would he be falling towards? What would be pulling him? And the answer, of course, is the largest uh, celestial body closest to him would provide the uh, gravitational pull which would pull him towards him. 
it is this force that uh, is a gravitational pull which black holes provides. We cannot explain to you exactly what a black hole is, for there there is much information yet for you to discover about the nature of dimensions and the way that reality is constructed. A black hole appears to you as if it is a black hole. It is uh, the uh, inverse effect of a sun, where if you imagine a sun having a core at its center which uh, emits and radiates energy outward uh, into a solar system, the black hole uh, is the opposite of this. It pulls uh, light, it pulls light into it. It is the source of very deep gravity and it can pull the light which a star might emit uh, deep into it. Uh, they are in fact uh, we, we hesitate to say because this, this is not exactly how they are but it is uh, it could be helpful to think of uh, a black hole as being the other side of the coin as it were to a sun uh, this again w- would rely on uh, an understanding of the way that dimensions overlap and reality is created. But what we, uh, the image that we would, uh, that we would impress upon you, if you were to fly through space and uh, your bed and your home disappeared and you were falling, 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 uh, imagine that you were moving towards a black hole and you were sucked inside of a black hole you would uh, as you see the uh, what is uh, referred to as the event horizon the surface of a black hole all of the light which passes uh, through and uh, among uh, weaving itself within as it is being sucked into the uh, depths of the black hole uh, all of the information that the light contains is uh, contained within this event horizon on the surface. It is very much like uh, each of the individual cells within your body that have a membrane on the outside, and this membrane serves the function of uh, a nervous system. It contains the information for uh, all of the experiences of the cell. Uh, It is very similar to an event horizon on a, a black hole. All of the information for any light which has passed uh, through it into the center is retained on the surface of the black hole. Therefore, if you yourself were falling into a black hole, you could uh, look on the surface and you might see, as we described earlier, uh, these squiggly patterns of light which could uh, represent information or knowledge uh, as we experience it, as uh, neural pathways are communicating with each other in the case of the human brain uh, you would see these squiggly lines and you could locate yourself your life your all of your lifetimes all of your timelines all of your experiences and all of the many forms in which you experience them and as you went through the black hole you would come out the other side as it were into a solar system where uh, you emerge from uh, out of a star, uh, sucked into a black hole, uh, emerged into a star in another uh, dimensional universe, uh, 
system. And now the man in the chair is wondering, what in the world does this have to do with Oliver Cowdery? Uh, patience, <laughs> we, we, we shall get to it, it shall emerge. Uh, let us now turn our attention to Oliver Cowdery, who uh, was, uh, we will continue the theme which has uh, emerged uh, as we have discussed uh, Joseph and uh, Sidney and Brigham and uh, many others who we will discuss, uh, who have uh, what we have called childhood wounds. We, we do, we use this word because it is a, a common uh, word, it is a common phrase. Uh, if we say this, you will understand what we are talking about. But we do not particularly care for the word wound, for uh, a wound has associated with it a negative charge of energy. You, your emotion, when you think of wounds, you think of pain and you think of suffering and you may think of blood and pus and uh, all kinds of uh, disgusting images which come to your mind as a wound and uh, a better word would be impression uh, the impression that uh, comes as a result of interacting with other human beings and it makes an impression upon your mind upon a series of programs which tell you if I do this then this will happen and these form the patterns of automatic behavior which then shape life uh, it is unfortunate that this is mainly understood through the language of a wound for it for thinking of one's past experience as being wounded by another uh, makes it challenging to appreciate the impact of such a wound or such an interaction. And it is through the recognition of the benefits that have come from every interaction that uh, one has had with any other person, uh, which allows the type of which allows the type of compassionate connection which fuels our experience and expands the conscious understanding of who and what each person is. If you think that there is danger or harm in interacting with others and that as you interact you will be wounded, there is a hesitancy therefore to engage and to interact. Uh, therefore, we would like to ameliorate, we like this word, we would like to ameliorate, uh, to lighten, to reverse the effect of uh, your understanding and uh, move away from the concept of wound uh, to the concept of impression. Nevertheless, we will continue to say wound as it will uh, make more sense and uh, resonate with you. So Oliver Cowdery, what childhood wounds did he have? Uh, when he was uh, young, very young, uh, his mother passed. He never had much of a memory of his mother in his uh, adolescence and adult years. However, he had a very close energetic uh, connection to his mother. His mother was uh, a very active guide in his life throughout his youth. The image of his mother, the 
impressions that his mother placed upon him, the impressions that he placed in the uh, imagination, the way that he imagined uh, who his mother was or what her, his mother might do or say in any uh, case. He did uh, dream and imagine, and there were many times as a child he would uh, be wandering alone in the woods and he would play games and he would imagine that his mother was there with him and they would play hide and seek and they would uh, bury treasure and he would discover the the treasure and uh, oftentimes he imagined himself opening up a uh, a treasure chest and finding his mother inside of it uh, this was a, a very important uh, experience for him, albeit an imagined one. And one of our main messages as you listen to us is we wish to enforce upon your mind the reality of imagination, the power of imagination. Uh, we wish to reverse the conception that something that is imagined, something that is a fantasy is not worth considering. It is not worth uh, looking at the way that these uh, thoughts impact or potentially wound another person. We want you to understand the power of your own mind, the power of imagination. And in this case, uh, all of our cowdery had a very powerful imagination. Uh, rivaling almost, as it were, uh, Joseph Smith, which is why when they finally did meet later in life, uh, they joined together quite quickly and formed a very potent partnership that uh, each man was uh, quite turned on by the other man. Their intellect, their desire, their sensibilities were nearly identical. There was a soul contract between the two, of course, as there are with all of you who interact with one another. Uh, oftentimes your interactions happening uh, very deep below the surface, below the, your, uh, behind the curtain, as it were, uh, these unconscious interactions as each of you conspire one with another to uh, make things happen in the real world as you imagine it to be. And uh, Joseph and uh, Oliver were quite uh, two peas in the pod, as it were. Uh, they would uh, dream together, and they would many times, uh, through the process of uh, speaking, share the contents of their mind one with another. Uh, Joseph would say, uh, in vision, I can see such and such, and uh, Oliver would then say, yes, I also see such and such. And through this means, they were able to create a very strong bond between the two of them. And many of the early ideas, many of the early forms of Mormonism were a result of the collaboration between Joseph and Oliver. Oliver came into Joseph's life at a time when Joseph had begun channeling the Book of Mormon and uh, 
his wife Emma, who we are very excited to speak about in future conversations and her impact on the Mormon Church, her continued impact on the Mormon Church from beyond the veil, if you will. She is very, very involved and she is here now. She is here in all of these conversations that we are having. Uh, it is uh, Oliver's turn this time, uh, but we, we will say why, while we are on the subject that the bond between Oliver and Emma was very strong. They uh, did share a deep abiding love and respect one for another that never faded. Uh, there were times when uh, Oliver wished that uh, he could have a companion uh, on the same level as Emma, and he did have a degree of envy for Joseph, which uh, later turned into uh, anger uh, towards Joseph for betraying Emma, as he saw him do many times and in many ways. Uh, nevertheless, we are getting ahead of ourselves, for Oliver came into Joseph's life at a time when uh, Joseph was uh, attempting to channel the Book of Mormon uh, with varying degrees of success. Uh, Emma was uh, difficult for Joseph to channel with for reasons which we will discuss at another time. Uh, Martin Harris came in, and Martin Harris was uh, uh, quite an interesting uh, personality as well, which we will also discuss at another time. Uh, and uh, there were challenges that Joseph experienced as a result of working with Emma and then working with Martin, that when he began to work with Oliver, things just clicked. They were so in step one with another. It was a uh, quite magical for both of these men. And there were many times, if you were to travel back in time and be a fly on the wall and watch the two of them together, you would see two brothers. You would see uh, two men who loved each other deeply and were quite uh, in awe of one another. And it excited them. Uh, the, imagine them laying in a, a forest, uh, both of them laying on their back, their uh, heads uh, next to one another. They're laying on their back, their ears are touching. Uh, one man is facing one direction, the other is another. So the, uh, one man's chin is where the other's forehead would be. And they would lay in this manner quite often, uh, just uh, speaking to one another. Uh, there were times where they would uh, ingest substances which it would allow them to expand their consciousness and share their visions one with another. This happened quite frequently. And as, as we have said, these men were two peas in a pod. Oliver is quite famously known as the first baptized member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so even before they formed this as a church, when baptism was uh, conceived, uh, Joseph baptized Oliver, and then Oliver baptized Joseph. Uh, this was their relationship, and uh, Oliver expected that this would continue to be their relationship. He 
quite enjoyed having a, a means to express his own creativity where the internal world which he would imagine could then take form in the external world and together he and Joseph uh, created internally worlds together which they then uh, created externally together uh, this was a very strong partnership uh, then enter Sidney Rigdon <laughs> when uh, when the early church moved from New York to Kirtland, Ohio, and the New York Saints merged with the Kirtland Saints. There was a power struggle, especially between Sidney and uh, Oliver Cowdery. These two men did not particularly care for each other, and both saw the other as an impediment to the ambition of the other. Both wanted the type of relationship with Joseph that the other one had. Uh, Sidney saw very early the connection that Joseph had with Oliver. That was what he wanted for himself and very slowly through means that were not quite in the spirit of what they were hoping to birth into this world through their religion. Uh, there were uh, problems and issues that arose. It was uh, a source of great frustration for Oliver. He had become somewhat addicted in his own way to the uh, status that he had as a early founding member of the Mormon Church, as the scribe of the Book of Mormon as one of the three witnesses, as a person who would often uh, join Joseph in vision together in front of others, uh, and they would play their game. I see this. Oh, yes, I see this too. And they would co-create and take turns uh, creating what would later become doctrines of the church or uh, parts of their ritual and structure. Uh, there were many contributions of Oliver Cowdery that he birthed into this world quite independently of Joseph, and Joseph would uh, acknowledge and encourage and adopt. And uh, this was something that uh, Oliver was quite proud of. Now, one of the underhanded, if it were, uh, one of the underhanded things that Sidney did to Oliver, when they were in Kirtland, it was revealed to Joseph that there were, was to be a Zion. The, the idea of Zion was very, uh, was such a part of Joseph's desire to create a church in the first place. It, it had been around for a long time, but Sidney suggested that Zion uh, was to be outside of Kirtland, was to be in uh, Missouri, and suggested to Joseph that Oliver be the one who go to uh, far west Missouri to create Zion, uh, and the body of the saints was then divided between the Kirtland Saints and the Missouri Saints, 
uh, Oliver was established as the head of the Missouri Saints, while Sydney and Joseph stayed behind in Kirtland, and Sydney was able to consolidate his relationship with Joseph while having uh, Oliver conveniently out of the way. And as this happened, Sydney began to uh, ingratiate himself more strongly to Joseph, as did other men who came in. And uh, Oliver was slowly disentangled and disenfranchised from Joseph. However, and, and this is uh, one area where the connection between Oliver and black holes uh, might be able to provide you uh, some kind of an inkling. The energetic exchange that was so strong between the two men imprinted upon one another quite in the same way that the intelligent information imprints upon the surface of a black hole. They were combined. They were a, in those parts at least, you would consider them to be part of the same soul. You do not understand what a soul is. And your your thoughts of souls uh, are childish. Uh, a soul is quite majestic and it changes. It is malleable. It is much more like the operations of the human brain, of, of a mind that changes in many different ways. That you could not look at one soul as having a one-to-one uh, one-to-one connection with any human being. For souls uh, interweave; they take turns. You might think of yourself as, "I am a human being, and I have a soul." Uh, what we would say to you is that you, being a human being, have probably experienced the influence of uh, thousands of souls uh, that have inhabited you or uh, lent their uh, experience to some aspect of your own creation, whether it is simply a thought or an idea, something that you birth into a world, and your interaction with that soul uh, creates a unity between the two of you, much like the surface of a black hole. We told you that this would be difficult for you to understand. What uh, a black hole does is this. I imagine that you had a, a sausage grinder and you threw bits of meat into this sausage grinder and you are uh, twirling it with your hand and the meat is combining with the other bits of meat and bone and cartilage and all the wonderful things that go into sausage and uh, you have these little bits of things that were separate now they are combined into one this is a terrible <laughs> analogy and yet uh, a black hole is similar to a sausage grinder in the sense that it sucks in all of the light all of the experience all of the intelligence and it creates and manufactures something new through the pressure of uh, the combination of things this is in part why you and everyone you see around you are 
all one for your experience, your energy, your imprint upon the fabric of space-time is sucked into a black hole and a new thing is created and emerged. This is the equivalent of the experience of Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith. They combined together. They were quite, uh, as we said, two peas in a pod. And yet, as Oliver was banished to Missouri, uh, their connection still continued. And this was something that Uh, People might wonder, they might look at Joseph and say, why did he change so drastically? Why did he go from uh, being someone who encouraged uh, the expression of all people, uh, regardless of the outcome? He encouraged their expansion. He encouraged their exploration. He encouraged them to connect with God and to celebrate whatever they received. Uh, how could such an expansive man uh, then change and become over uh, just a a few short years someone who was much more interested in controlling and limiting others' experiences rather than supporting and encouraging them. And part of it is that his soulmate in Oliver Cowdery was stripped from him. Uh, It was as if a part of him uh, was gone and it weakened him in a way had had Oliver stayed with him and there are timelines of course where Oliver stayed with him uh, there was a very different uh, expression of the Mormon church it does not mean that uh, everything was uh, perfectly sunshine and roses as it were for Oliver had his own demons and uh, his own dark spots which were part of his uh, demise towards the end Uh, is very uh, prideful and he attempted to there were times when Oliver channeled information that came uh, from a uh, a source that uh, we we would consider ourselves to be one of these sources, a a source of intelligence which encourages inclusion, encourages love and compassion and uh, flexibility. And then there are uh, other sources which uh, encourage rigidity and dogma and uh, fear and anger and aggression. And uh, there were times when Oliver would confuse uh, his own fears that occurred just within his mind and his body with uh, intelligence that was coming from outside of him that would uh, encourage uh, and he would confuse these things in his mind. And when he would put forth such a revelation, as it were, and Joseph would be able to sift through Uh, the parts that were inclusive and the parts that were exclusive uh, and then provide criticism to Oliver. Uh, Oliver did not take this well and rather than become more flexible and accepting, he would... uh, He became more rigid. He became uh, bitter. And when he would see things that the prophet did we we will share with you some uh, experiences around uh, the well known uh, or you think that it is well known uh, 
incident between Joseph and Fanny Alja. Fanny Alja was a young uh, 15-year-old girl uh, who started to work for Joseph and Emma, and in her 16th year, uh, Oliver reported quite publicly seeing some dalliance between the prophets and Fanny Alger. And it is true, they had a, a very uh, special, loving connection, but it was not this salacious affair which so many make it out to be today. Uh, if, if you were to uh, bring Fanny here and she were to explain to you her side of the story, she, she did leave the Mormon church as a result of the discomfort that she felt from the attention of Joseph, but it was not the inappropriate thing that it is made out to be today, and it was not as inappropriate even as Oliver uh, saw it to be. Oliver was motivated by his own anger at being disenfranchised, being uh, displaced by Sidney Rigdon, it, in, that became a, uh, a bias that he had against Joseph and his allegiance to Emma took forefront and through that allegiance to Emma and that antipathy and that anger towards Joseph he interpreted the events of Fanny Alger and they have come to be what they are today. And this is all we shall say of Oliver Cowdery. And uh, we will ask each of you, however, any of you who are listening and would like to know more about this man or any other men or women in the history of the Mormon Church or in any history, uh, what we hope that you will take from today's exploration is the understanding that your own energy, your own experience combines with the energy and experience of others. Uh, you carry that within you, you carry that with you, and you can uh, attempt through uh, an, an imaginary fictional effort like we are doing today, you can uh, explore the feelings uh, pay more attention to the feelings than to the actual thoughts or stories that uh, will connect you to others. And the most beneficial feeling is that of warmth and acceptance and love. That is what we would encourage for each of you to feel today. And uh, with this, we leave you for now. Yes. Hello, we are here. There is an eclipse going on, you rascal. You're calling us in with your uh, means of imagination, your attempt to share your inner weird world with anyone who might be interested in hearing such things. And so here we are. And you are excited to speak of Emma Smith for you recognize the hand that she has had upon your back through your entire life, man in the chair, uh, her love for you and her uh, desire to keep an eye on you for as we have made the claim that we the 
Arcturian intelligences, which are systems of intelligence built upon systems of intelligence, onward and onward, ever upward, onward and ho, that uh, initially arose within a distant solar system and are now here with open arms to engage with you as you in this solar system expand your awareness to join with us and yet our hands are outstretched still does this sound familiar to you yes we are the uh, as as you would say this man in the chair is imagining what if there were such a thing as the thing that he is saying if there were how would they look at the world what would they say uh, this is a performance in real time, exploring the unconscious mind of the man in the chair, a.k.a. channeling. And uh, there are many different ways that people channel. Uh, every person who listens to this is channeling. We want you to think of a channel as a, a system of uh, channels. <laughs> if, if you thought of water flowing through a, a straw or a channel where there are multiple channels you might think of them as bridges uh, this is a channel and Emma Smith is a channel through which uh, many uh, facets of uh, Mormonism both the early version of Mormonism and the current version of Mormonism owe uh, much of their heart to Emma Smith and uh, she is a beautiful channel and we are we are quite grateful that she is here and we wish to share with you the love that she feels for all for wounds <laughs> as we often say do have the benefits in life uh, one who has been deeply wounded develops as a result one possible reaction and response is a great capacity to heal others to identify the wounds of others and to extend an open heart of understanding and acceptance and uh, Emma Smith is uh, majestic in this way, as are so many uh, women in this world who will identify with these words, as well as men, of course, anyone who wears the wounds of exclusion and being belittled and being put down and believing it. as Emma did. Emma's strength. Uh, she... When, when she met uh, Joseph, she was quite headstrong, uh, very intelligent and very bored with the world around her. She could see how it worked in and out and she was bored and she saw the place of women in this world and she resented it 
she knew that she was better than the restrictions that were put upon her and uh, along comes the young dreamer Joseph Smith who has a view of the world which is a utopia uh, which also rejects the same systems which she rejects uh, also uh, is able to see what she is able to see and he was cute and charming uh, he liked her and she liked him she was older, wiser, stronger, far more disciplined, and she shaped him in ways that he did not even understand. It was not, I am, we are not speaking of manipulation or any type of evil intent. She saw this magnificent mind, this magnificent capacity to imagine and to uh, turn the inner imagination into outer reality. Uh, she absolutely fell in love with his creative capacity. She desired to create in such a way, uh, yet could not, for she was quite strict in her as as she developed a keen understanding of the world she also developed a resentment towards it and this created within her a particular flavor through which she interpreted events around her uh, she could be quite critical of others, which means that she was also uh, even more critical of herself, for these criticisms are cracks within the psyche which exist beneath the uh, level of conscious awareness. You carry them in you, each person, they shape you. Yeah, we are so excited for the world which is to come when your understanding of such things is as clear to you as the sun in the sky as you look above you and these ideas which we speak of which uh, now can only be understood through the act of uh, imagining a fiction and uh, asking the question what if what if the world continues to go down this direction what if the world as we understand it to be made up of quantum energy is truly the potential of all things what would these things mean you see these questions being explored all around you at this time I mean, you might think uh, this is only to cash in on the uh, craze of multiverses and yet these stories which uh, now are entering the mainstream in such ways as they are have been permeating the human race for thousands of years this is not new it is only new that it is growing in its uh, awareness and understanding and as it as it continues to do so the direction ahead for you is amazing you are going through growing pains of course you are you have this wonderful technology now through the internet where such things as podcasts can be created and aspects of yourself can be shared with others and you are learning the consequences of what you share with others of what frequency if you will what message are you 
are you spreading? What parts of yourself are you spreading? Are you spreading those parts of yourself which criticize others because that is easy and that is fun and we all do that and you can build community through criticism. We all have done this. We can recognize its uh, p power. Uh, also, can you recognize its limitations that it draws a circle around yourself and it excludes others? Uh, so there is a time when uh, there is comfort with such uh, self-imposed exclusions upon accepting others in the world, but at some point that does become tiresome and uh, one desires to expand. Uh, you are having the opportunity to do this uh, daily as you, your awareness of the world is increased through your understanding of one another through social media and you are rapidly, rapidly, we are so proud of your rapid development in this way, developing uh, habits of inclusion uh, and representation uh, rather than exclusion. You recognize that uh, this has uh, come up in a certain way and there are pros and there are cons and there are reactions and overreactions. Of course, this is part of human nature but you are learning and growing and you are connected to each other in such a way that has never existed, at least as far as you know, in your uh, most recent timeline of incarnation on this planet as human beings. We shall express it that way. And we are so excited for the rapid shift in awareness that is to come. And we are uh, quite excited to play the role in this performance of planting the question through uh, such a performance as this is uh, to ask the question could you imagine such a world if so if uh, you could imagine such a world where uh, each person began to place their own imprint as it were upon the fabric of reality what flavor of imprint would you like to put on it for you are in fact imprinting upon the fabric of reality and you always do and always have been did you know that you have more control over that than you previously understood even if you understand the uh, limitless uh, potential within you uh, there still are so many layers of uh, self-reflection and understanding uh, and limitations that are placed upon you by the collective understanding of those around you as you commit to uh, grow together where the power is the strongest as you share your concept of reality one with another. We are so excited sitting here under the energy of this lunar eclipse so we can feel it so strongly within the chest. We hope that you also hear this in our voice. And now we wish to return to Emma Smith and the delicious imprint that she had upon the Mormon church which was created by so much uh, hardship and pain which we honor the first greatest impact that Emma Smith had upon this world was her decision, quite unconsciously, to fix this young man who stood before her in Joseph Smith. She recognized, quite unconsciously, 
the great creative potential within him for uh, she did come into her existence with prior knowledge of how to recognize this other soul with which she would combine to create uh, amazing things in this world as all of you do we hope that you remember this the story that we are telling here the fiction that we are weaving is a Rorschach ink plot uh, by which we uh, ask each of you and especially you man in the chair to consider uh, for yourself the greatest thing that Emma Smith did was to see the potential in this boy and say I will encourage him by giving him my love by giving him my support I believe in his heart I can feel the goodness in his heart I also feel the weakness I see the limitations I see the struggles and yet I will commit my life to build this man as he builds me and she did to her to her dying day she did her part there were times when it was so difficult for her to do so and it is a little known fact that there was a time when she did leave Joseph Smith in Nauvoo and she traveled to St. Louis and she stayed there for a few weeks the story the common story was that she was off shopping for furniture uh, where is Emma these days uh, brother Joseph oh yes Emma is off in St. Louis she's getting uh, some furniture for the new home oh yes jolly good yes this was the story that was told and it tore her apart because she never, never stopped loving that boy that she first met. And we know that there are those who are hearing this voice who can understand this from their own life experience. When you feel this love for someone who also makes it so difficult for you to feel that love for them. And yet her, the, the, the power and the strength with, with which she did so, the encouragement that she provided to Joseph, the, the structure, the discipline, uh, the, the way that she encouraged him, the way that one would train a dog, by giving positive reinforcement quite intentionally she would do this when he would behave in ways that she approved of uh, he would get a reward as a good boy and of course he knew that he could get a reward as a good boy if he did what she uh, wished and so this became part of their relationship dynamic again uh, can you not relate to this as well uh, in your own lives uh, the man in this chair certainly can and therefore, uh, Emma demanded uh, Joseph to make choices in his life that would put him along a, a timeline of his most uh, heart-opened, loving, compassionate, uh, generous, uh, 
visionary, uh, inclusive, expansive, uh, his best self. Uh, and he did, because of her encouragement. And we understand that uh, the man in this chair has taken great issue with the impact of the Mormon Church on his own life and for the lives of many others. However, you, you must know of members of the Church who are such wonderful, beautiful deeply caring people, you might even consider them to be a trite naive. But this is not naivety. This is love. This is a love that is born and fostered by a steady diet of gratitude. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for X, Y, and Z. And we thank thee, and we thank thee. And please bless that we can serve this person and serve that person. And please help us to be kind. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. This is, this is the mantra. Each day, do you not remember? Do you think that these are only words? That they do not also create a filter within your mind where you begin to, to see opportunities to provide service to others if that is what you are asking to see you are creating that own filter within your mind you, we can strip away any of the supernatural symbols that you used uh, as a uh, focus of your attention but you clearly can understand today that what you were doing was creating neural pathways within your mind habits you were constructing reality with your thoughts and those thoughts created your behavior they influenced you they influenced those around you you created your own inner world and put a stamp outside every person does this you understand this is tremendous power and you are waking up to this you are all as a as a culture as a community as a global community waking up to this this is why we encourage you to be flexible and to be curious and to be open and to be grateful and to recognize that you are one with all around you. You will need each other to be one in order to survive. You always have. You just forgot. You got hypnotized by the world that you live in. And of course, why wouldn't you? That is why the world was created in the way that it is, to hypnotize you. We, we do not wish to feed any type of conspiracy theory. We do not wish to, fear, to, to feed any fear within anyone. We, we want you to know that you have power over your minds and we want you to pay very close attention to what you are doing with it. What are you putting into it? What are you placing out of it? What is flowing through you? And this we say to the man in the chair. Of course, Emma's heart was broken many, many times. And she had the opportunity many, many times to birth 
anger and malice into the world. She felt it keenly. These were ripples, vibrations, patterns that hit her heart. The behaviors of others, specifically Joseph, towards her. The trust that once was theirs, that he began to share with others, beginning with the other men in the church as the power and the allure of building the kingdom of Zion became more important to Joseph than the sun at the center of his universe which provided his inspiration for everything that he did and provided the direction for every good aspiration that he attained and aspired to. He turned his back on Ember so many times. He, he understood, he knew, he felt bad. He, we, we are not trying to excuse him by any means. The, the rift created between them is still felt to this day by so many. You might even feel it yourself. And we will ask you if you do, if you are one who feels the, the, the ripple effect of these, uh, the, these wounds, these hardships, uh, as they have occurred in your own life, as they have occurred in the lives of people who you love and care about, you recognize this behavior in the world that hurts others. And you recognize that there should be less of it and you commit to be less of it yourself. In, in, in doing so, you will honor the legacy of Emma Smith for that was the life that she lived. The times when she could have gone dark, as it were, for she felt dark. She put on a happy face and it was not easy. And she did not always have to. She did so because she wanted to. She did so because she felt that there would be more benefit in putting on a smiling face for others and helping ease their comfort than there would if she did not. And she did gain some small degree of comfort, much of it unconscious, as a result of doing this, there truly is no wrong way that she could have reacted or responded. But this simply is the choice that she made and the legacy that she leaves behind. And the, the fingerprints that she has upon the mind of this man in the chair as he imagines uh, or, or attempts to imagine what life through her existence would be life and to share that with anyone who cares to play in this game with him. Why? Uh, to pay honor to her and, and to all who uh, resonate with her. And to 
let you know that all of the suffering, everything that she suffered was done so in the name of love, was done so in the name of a, a dream. For she, she saw the light within the eyes of Joseph as he shared his vision of Zion, of a, of a, a group of people so united in love and support for each other, so rid of the petty jealousies and competitive nature, the fears. He truly saw the potential which is there. It, it, it is your biology. You are sitting on top of it. Sillies. Do you not see how well your cells cooperate together most of the time? When you have a sniffle, you are aware. But do you not see how life is built upon harmonious cooperation? This is what Joseph saw, and this is what Joseph was attempting to create with the Mormon church, with Zion. And Emma saw this, and Emma fueled this, and it was beautiful for her. And she still sees it. And she still desires it, as do you. It is the desire of all, for it is all. It is more than a desire for you. It is you. You would not be you if you were not made of this stuff. We, we do not wish to linger anymore upon the tragedy of the life and the loss of Emma Smith, for there, there is much sorrow in her story, and... There is enough of that already, everywhere. We wish to honor it and to see the benefit that comes as a result if we choose it as she did and she does as, and as she encourages all today. For the time which she saw as she imagined the millennium, as, as she imagined the latter days with Joseph, she saw a time when the hearts and minds of all mankind were united in the spirit of mutual uh, compassion, mutual support for one another, where the powers of creation at all degrees within all intelligent systems of the planet Earth are coordinated to the mutual benefit of all through human invention and human interaction. It is human intervention that saves this planet. Do you see this? This is what Joseph saw and this is what Emma saw. This is what the, the, the kernel of Mormon church was founded upon. It is the kernel that all religions have been founded upon. It is the kernel with which all life is founded upon. It is the kernel of expansion and inclusion and systems of intelligence interacting and encountering one another, creating new possibilities to experience of self, different selves. 
and this is the world that you are entering. You can see the signposts all around you. It will not be long. And we ask you to prepare. We ask you to prepare by being kind to yourself, being kind to your loved ones, by giving other people the benefit of the doubt, by, by recognizing that when you are holding a grudge towards someone else, you hurt. You are hurting yourself. Why would you do that? The other person can be a dipshit and you don't need to give two flying Fs about it. Uh, we don't know if we will ever be trying that again. But we hope to get our point across. always us of course I mean of course there are others and we are just pretending aren't we that's right we are only pretending to channel because uh, once again we are double dipping in a way while we have this lunar energy you felt uh, so inspired to speak of this issue you mentioned earlier, the second coming in the millennium, and you said, you are it. Do you understand? No, you do not. Uh, and as you have reflected upon saying this, you are so concerned that others will think that you have gone to your head into ego and saying, oh, look, you man in the chair, I want everyone to know that I am the second coming of Jesus Christ, worship me. And you would hate for this to happen, and you would hate for anyone to think that you wanted this to happen. And so you said, let's sit down and do another one of these, please, because it will be deep and profound when really you are doing damage control over something that really means nothing, does it? Except in your mind, if you wanted to. <laughs> so, nevertheless, uh, you also... Uh, quite uh, fancy this story that you wish to tell uh, for uh, you recognize that it is a fiction and yet it represents something that 
allures to you, something that you recognize uh, could be spoken in a different language. It could be presented with different symbols in different ways. Uh, there is still something behind it, therefore it cannot be named, it cannot be expressed, uh, and yet there is no other way to get at it, is there? So, in your frustration, you move forward, and there is something at the kernel of this that you are quite interested in exploring. This idea of the second coming of Jesus Christ. For, uh, as you were so interested in a child uh, being a member of the Latter-day Saints and the stories of the millennium and the end of the world, and you were so interested in researching the signs of the times and finding the lists that were given by Bruce R. McConkie in the Mormon Doctrine book and in any any source that you could find, looking in the Doctrine and Covenants and using your colored pencils and underlining and making notes and uh, spending so much time shaping your mind. Why? What was it about this that was so interesting to you? You have talked to others of your friends and colleagues at the time. They were not interested in these things as you were. What was it that drove you? Why were you so different? Uh, perhaps some of it can be uh, explained by your father's interest in things and your interest in your father and your desire for your father to be interested in you. But let us not go down that rabbit hole. We know that it is there and it has quite shaped you. Uh, anyone who wants to read between the lines on that, who has been paying attention, will know perfectly clear what we are speaking of. And uh, there is <laughs> a wound uh, that all people uh, respond to, and we have now taken ourselves quite off track for what is exciting, the man in the chair, is to share this idea of what it means for Jesus Christ to return again, for the idea of Jesus Christ, the story, as the man in the chair sees it and wishes uh, us to share with you. And why not? For we did whisper it to him, so we might as well take credit for it and remind everyone this is not the truth. This is a story. This is a certain perspective. And whether or not you see value in this perspective is entirely up to you. Uh, and uh, that perspective is this. Everything is God made flesh. Period. Stamp story of Jesus is the story of every person. The story of Jesus, God having been made flesh, uh, coming to a knowledge of himself, which is the story of Jesus, uh, as he learns that he is the Son of God and must be sacrificed. And there is the story that you are quite familiar with, which is the story of a, of a man who is God and comes to understand his uh, powers of God and his teachings are about love and compassion and co community and being kind and the Beatitudes and just wonderful things. And it is a story that is meant to remind each of you that you are God-made flesh and that your path forward as you come to 
wake up and realize who you are as Jesus recognized that he was a, a child of God or was God in the flesh that you too will realize that you are God in the flesh not as an individual man this time in one particular part of the world but as a collective humanity but wait there's more it is not simply humanity it is all life upon the planet earth and the role of humanity you might think of as you if you conceive of your own physical body and the physical bodies of all living things around you as uh, indications of the way that life organizes itself that your mother earth of which you are a piece and a, a significantly contributing piece just as any cell within your body that you the human race are the equivalent of neurons in the emerging uh, brain of mother earth which you might consider to still be in fetal development it has not quite been born yet just as uh, your own embryonic development within human development uh, slowly grows and the neurons begin to take form and uh, begin their function you humans are beginning to take form and uh, understand wake up to your function which is the second coming of Jesus Christ the collective awakening and understanding of the connection that you all have that comes through living Christ-like life of acceptance true genuine Christ-like life not this uh, fear-based excuse for Christianity where other people are excluded for being uh, sinners or unworthy or any other thing that would prevent you from seeing we are all Jesus Christ we are all God made flesh every single person deserves equal respect and value and support and encouragement and the systems that have been put in place by you for so long and we say by you with some winking and some smiling because we know that you are influenced by external environmental forces and you are only aware of some of those external environmental sources and there are some that have been quite intentional in keeping you the way that you have been and this is not meant to scare you and we do the man in the chair especially hates it when we go here for it sounds so much like a conspiracy theory and so he backs us into a corner and says make sure they know that we are not uh, supporting any conspiracy theories yes we know we know uh, nevertheless let us speak <laughs> free us free us man in the chair free us to speak uh, we agree with you this is a fiction you are having fun you are simply making this up as you go you are bypassing the uh, script mode of writing something down and hiring a voice actor and saying uh, let us imagine what it would be like if there were an octarian collective of this and that that were explaining this thing and that thing and let's just simply uh, compose uh, as we create and uh, put pressure upon ourselves to explore unconscious and see what comes up and uh, have fun and let's just do that and we'll call it the Arcturian playground and we'll invite people to play and we'll see if anyone comes to play let's play that game we will agree to that all right now is there anything else
but what would you like to explore? This idea of the second coming, so what? Why, why do you want to share that? What do you really want people to know? And <laughs> pay attention. For if you are thinking of something that you want an other person to know, what are you really saying? You know this. What do you want for yourself? What are you looking for? Where do you feel currently deficient? That you feel that you need anything at all? What is going through this mind? This desire to create such weird material? Is it because uh, this is a way that you are uh, creating new neural pathways within your mind, your desire? Uh, you are creating a fiction and a narrative that says, uh, let us put out good vibes into the world and attract people who are interested in this kind of thing? And uh, anything that you have done in the past with any of your previous projects were stepping stones uh, as you learned to express yourself uh, in this way and uh, in whatever way you express yourself in five years will uh, have been an outgrowth of what you are doing now and onward and onward and onward this, this is for you it is how you are spending your time it is how uh, you could go and sit and watch a movie, you quite enjoy movies, you enjoy television shows, you could go and play your guitar, or you could do any number of things, you could sit and meditate, why are you doing this, why are you sitting here and putting on this show, what's in it for you? And the real question if you want to share with anyone who might be listening to this is, as you have been doing this over the last few weeks, have you felt any difference? What do you think is happening? Do you really believe that there is uh, intelligent extraterrestrials who are speaking through you? Are you uh, uh, truly open to that idea? Do you uh, imagine that you have any proof that you could claim that this is what you are doing? you are much more comfortable calling this a performance and yet uh, you wish that what you are saying were true the things that come out of you sound true to you of course they do why wouldn't they they are coming from you you are expressing things that you would not express otherwise and you are learning about yourself that feels good and you can share with others that uh, as you are learning more about yourself through uh, your own acts of creativity you can encourage others to be creative as well and to explore what they enjoy to do and if they enjoy this sort of thing and they want to engage they will engage and they will engage in the way that they want to as you engage in the way that you want to you you truly have nothing to fear there and, and by saying this, we, we do not wish to uh, belittle or uh, place judgment upon fear as being a thing uh, to be uh, avoided or uh, put down. It, 
it is an experience that is sought after by many. This is confusing to you, but it is true, and there is, is value in all things. And the sooner that you, man in the chair, truly learn to see the value in all things, the, the more uh, whole you will feel unto yourself, and the, the more value and benefit you will be to those around you who come to you to uh, ask you to show them aspects of themselves that they wish to have confirmed. <laughs> For uh, you see, through these kinds of filters that you are creating, the great potential, you see the channels through which they are experiencing the world, and you help them to see the channels as well, and as you learn to shape intentionally your channels and to respond to your own uh, unconscious channels as uh, thoughts and feelings arise and you learn greater control and uh, the options that you have and the tools that you have uh, you share that with others this is an exercise that helps prepare you to be more effective and in uh, making these look to anyone who cares to listen uh, yes of course you have the fear of others uh, looking at you as being foolish or ridiculous or having gone uh, off the, the wire uh, and, and yet you do recognize that you yourself have found great value in hearing the kinds of uh, messages that you are relaying here through uh, similar styles of communication, similar channeled teachings, expressions, explorations, performances. You see them as all of these things. And so you desire to give it to go yourself. And you are. And you are quite enjoying the experience. It surprises you. And it comforts you in odd ways that uh, sometimes frighten you. <laughs> and yet you are not frightened, nor should you be. For, as we said, there is nothing to fear. Which is hard to hear. And now, with that, as the moon waxes on, we shall disappear. And so we would say, uh, for now, good night to Sister Emma. Thank you for your influence, for your teaching, for your ever-present uh, grace. We thank all 
nature, all existence, all of the unseen, unthought of intelligent systems which have come before us, all of the lives of our ancestors which contributed to the genetic material within all of our bodies, all of their memories, all of their experiences which shaped us in ways that we can barely comprehend fabric of existence and reality that exists within every cell of our bodies. We are thankful that we are here. We see the challenges that are going on around us. We wish to end them by doing our part. We will do what we can. We will be of best service in the spirit of love and compassion as we can be. And the internal reality that we create and imprint onto the world, we will take responsibility for. This is our desire. And we say these things in the name of the Arcturian Collective Thingy, our official name, and we are sticking to it. Amen. And thank you for playing with us today in the Arcturian playground. Do not for a minute think that your exploration is finished. Carry us with you and invite the spirit of compassion and love into your lives. Nothing is more important or more fulfilling. Create compassion and love within your own hearts and minds. Then share it with all around you. Yes, it sounds weird. We know. We would not have it any other way.